Uh, we'll be hosting a pregame tailgate. Tailgate. We're going to full-blown tailgate. I've got uh, flags in the mail. We can either fly the Montucky flag so it's easier to find us. It's still week two. We have ten more games left. I'm not ready to write off the season just yet. Instead of feeling like you're just yelling into a, a blank void of Twitter, we felt like we might actually start. Welcome back, Tribe from the North Brave and Bull, to the official unofficial podcast of your Idaho Vandals. I am your host, Chris, and with me, as always, even though the world may have ended for some of you, I have TJ Hopkins and Brian Marceau. How are you guys doing today? What's up, Vandals? It's always a good day to be a Vandal. That is the truth. And today's episode is brought to you by Montucky Cold Snacks. So, obviously, today we're going to be jumping into Around the Bar. Sound effects coming soon. Uh, We had a big first win of the season here, 41-31 versus Central Washington. They are D2. Um, Everybody on this podcast uh, did predict a win. TJ actually predicted a 10-point win. Um, So, for you guys, we're going to kind of reward. It was an interesting day, to say the least, on Saturday when we played Central. Uh, we've had our m- biggest output of hashtag AskTATCs ever uh, by the most uh, you know amount of people at least. So instead of feeling like you're just yelling into a, a blank void of Twitter, we felt like we might actually start with hashtag AskTATC today. And then if we think we need to touch on anything else on the central game um, before we cover Wyoming, we'll do that in like a takeaways. But just to kind of reward you guys for being awesome and – hopefully answer some of your questions about what's going on. We figured we would actually start today with hashtag AskTATC. So, Nick Marv Stutz, we're starting with you. Why are we a winning – why are we winning the Big Sky arms race but losing the football race? Uh, Brian, I feel like you might have already answered this. So I'll let you start with it. Yes, we answered that question is that we aren't winning the Big Sky Arms race. Uh, if you're talking about facilities, the jury is in on that. University of Montana is the best is the best university in the Big Sky for facilities. Uh, Weber State's also had an influx of Adidas money, and they're, they're doing some upgrades to, to both their football and basketball facilities. Um, but the, the spirit of the question is, hey, like we are not a poor team in the Big Sky the way we were in the FBS. How are we playing so poorly? Or why, like, why is our money buying us, you know, four wins last year? And this year right now, four wins looks optimistic. And my answer to that is it's, it's all on the field. I have never been a Paul Petrino fan. The day he was hired, I was horrified that he was mostly getting by on the, on the strength of his gravy trained brother, which if you look at Paul Petrino's resume, that is essentially where all his high profile jobs came. And I feel like the jury's in. Uh, we're losing the arms race in football because we have one of the worst coaches in the big sky and he makes more than a hundred thousand dollars per year, more than any of his closest peers. Yeah. And I'm going to pretty much echo what you just said. And the fact that I don't think we're winning the arms race. Yes. We have a brand new basketball facility coming, but that's because we had arguably one of the worst basketball facilities in the big sky. Um, yes, we have some nice weight room and er- everything like that, but I mean, in every league we've been in, including the Sun Belt, we've been towards the bottom in overall facilities. 
And then, you know, maybe, yes, in the big sky, we're better than a place like southern Utah or eastern Washington in terms of facilities um, or even, you know, but has Sac State has beautiful facilities. UC Davis has this plan to be able to expand to 30,000. Montana State has like a 20 or 30-year plan of everything they're rolling out. Um, so if anything, we're in the middle of the arms race as far as what we have, but we don't really seem to be pushing forward on anything. We don't really have anything official on how to make the dome any bit better. Uh, we're pretty much have just been trying for 10 years to get this arena built. And so if it's going to take us 10 years to get every little thing done, um, I think that's kind of what you're seeing today. TJ, do you have any thoughts on that? Uh, yeah, I'm, I'm glad that question is an all-sports big sky question because we are winning the arms race in, in certain sports, that's definitely for sure. Um, women's soccer, uh, tennis, golf, cross country. I mean, all those, all those sports dominate in the big sky. And, and, uh, finally we're realizing that there's something wrong with this football program that we have down in the big sky. And, uh, it's, it's shown, it's highlighted. It's, it's known throughout the, the Northwest that there's something wrong with this football program. And it's tough to watch. It's tough to see. That's for sure. Hey Chris, I got one more thing to add in there real quick. Yeah, go for it. One of the problems we have right now with you know the idea of the arms race is our athletic department, and this isn't a secret if you've been listening to the show for a while, uh, but if you're new, our athletic department has a pretty significant budget deficit, and right now we have a combination of, again, compared to coaches, about 150000 worth of dead money tied up in Paul Petrino's contract compared to every other coach. Um, we also, if, if you were at the game against Central Washington, you were one of the few. We had 5,000 and change there at our home opener. You know, the this the drop-down, which I'm a supporter of the drop-down. We haven't had a full discussion about this, but I am I am happy we're in the big sky. Uh, but in the, in the same way that when we shifted up to the FBS, the pro-FCS faction of Idaho fans did support the, the move up. In terms of showing up for games, in terms of donating money, we haven't seen that with a lot of the donors and a lot of the fans from the F- FBS era. And we also, it was probably important. It wasn't probably important. It was important for us when we shifted down, being the only team to ever do that, that we needed to hit the ground running. And for me, it always goes back to the product on the field. Not only did we not hit the ground running last year, we thought we were going to walk over the big sky and the big sky walked all over us. I don't know a better way to alienate a fan base than one shift down, which, you know, reasonably a lot of it's hard to be excited about shifting down. It's it's always it's much easier to be ecstatic about, hey, we're moving up in competition. We're moving up to a bigger league, whatever. That's easier to do. But to not only move down, but to then perform just wretchedly like we did last year. And this year, there's no reason to be excited yet. I don't know how else we're going to get more money and more donors and, and more butts in seats without a complete overhaul and it's it's interesting look looking back on last year as we you know we previewed this whole season as we're going to win all these big sky games you know we're coming down for the fbs but and we were kind of shell-shocked when it happened that this was a real real conference and we're not going to win games as easily but as far as our other sports go they they really perform well and and we're recruiting people who are big sky material but we still can't seem to find these football players who compete at this big sky level where they get excited. You know, we're, 
we're playing these geographical rivals and we're ready to go. And especially as we saw today or last this weekend with Central Washington, we weren't really ready. We weren't really ready to play these guys and. It's it's just tough being in the big sky as far as football standards go that we're not ready to play up to these guys. Yeah, but to be fair, our, all our Olympic sports been in the big sky since, what, 2013, 2014? Yeah. So, I mean, this is more of a football-related question. The, all the other teams have been there, done that. They've, they've been familiar faces with the big sky. But, yeah, as far as football goes, this is, you know, their first two years in it, and they're not performing, which moves us to Martins uh, at Hemi underscore 71. Why do you think Paul keeps trying to run the offense with Mason as if Matt Linehan it was still our quarterback? Hashtag AskTATC. I think I'll answer this just blatantly. Um, I, it's very rare that you have a situation kind of like you're having going on with USC right now. It's early week two. We completely switch an offense based on a quarterback. And then, for instance, that quarterback gets hurt and then it, it magically works. But – usually as a coach, you're not going to just ratify, like radically change your offense. Um, It's just not something you do. Maybe if you bring in a completely new offensive coordinator, but we haven't done that. So you're going to run your offense like Matt Linehan's still your quarterback because that's what a quarterback in this offense is supposed to do. It's just Mason isn't Matt Linehan. Yeah, I wish we would see this offense run like Matt Linehan ran this offense. I think that's where we're seeing gaps and – you know, this offensive production is it's not ran like he used to run it. So it's a little tough to watch, but it is the same concept, same design, but it's just not ran by Matt. See, my answer to that is the problem with the offense overall is it's just too predictable. Even for a undermanned athletically team like Central Washington um, when they play us, it's not a secret. And by the way, Mason's again, he's going to he is going to be our starter. It hasn't been formally announced, but we all know Mason's going to be the starter and the jury's in the arm strength that was allegedly supposed to be there because of, you know, rehab. It doesn't exist. He still is not able to stretch the field beyond 11 yards. And I'm going to give credit to Mason in that he's obviously a real hard worker. He's obviously an intelligent player because he does, relative to his athletic limitations, I I think he's performing at his ceiling almost all the time. But our team, we play experts when when we're playing other college football teams. We're playing coaches who've devoted their lives to scheming and understanding the game of football. And we are playing against other athletes who are playing as though they think they're going to be professionals. Those people care. It is not hard to watch Idaho tape for five minutes and realize we will never stretch you at all. And this is the offense we get. I mean, we saw it last year. We averaged 24 points a game in the big sky. I've talked about it before. I think we're going to be exactly the same because we don't have to have a deep threat as in bombing at 50 yards. We need intermediate passing to buy space for our running backs and then to buy space for our short passes, which for example, Jeff Cotton caught 16 passes, turned that into a ton of yards. Imagine Jeff Cotton, if we could spread the offense a little bit, he'd be a wide receiver. Every single big sky fan would know about, Uh, but the problem is we are easy to scheme against and that's what happens with our offense. Well, that leads into the next perfect hashtag asked ATC. This one comes to you from go vandals exclamation point at Nataronomus Monk, not a Rome, not a Romus Monk. Uh, sorry, I probably butchered that. Uh, where does Jeff Cotton rank all time as an Idaho wide receiver? A little positive takeaway here. 
Brian, you were just hitting on Jeff Cotton. What do you think? Oh, man, good Lord. I, I don't know how to answer that because, I mean, the guy's incredible. I mean, he was already good last year. Yeah, he had 16 receptions for 145 yards and two touchdowns. His longest reception was 22 yards. It's not that Jeff Cotton's like a possession receiver, you know, similar to, let's say, an old Keyshawn Johnson or something like that. It's these are the plays that are run for him. But, you know, I, I forgive me for not having the best history of Idaho Vandal wide receivers. What I have no reservation saying is if we had an, a league average quarterback, I mean, this guy would have been first team all big sky last year in my mind and definitely picked for first team all big sky preseason this year. DJ. Yeah. And, and no offense to previous wide receivers that have gone through Idaho. We've had so many good ones, but this is a great receiving core that we have. And um, we really can't seem to find them the ball uh, past 20 years down, you know, down the field. Um, Jeff Cotton's a great receiver, and and he's lucky that he gets the 10 yard outs, you know, the play action rollout. He gets the the five yard dumps and go up. But it's it's meant for him. It's meant for Mason Petrino. It's meant for these short yard dumps. And um, he's great for it, but we have a great receiving core. The whole field is opened up to all these receivers that we have. And But where does this rank him all the time? I mean, who knows? It's a certain offense that goes with it. Control Hayward could be the best wide receiver that we've ever seen come through Idaho, but we don't throw him the ball enough. But, okay, I guess I'm going to just, I, I think maybe this question got taken um, the wrong way. I, I'm gonna just straight up say he's he's not one of he's not probably even in the top three all time. I'm sorry. We've we've had some good wide receivers, some of which have played in the NFL, like Max Comar. Preston Davis is one of the best athletes I think that's ever probably picked up a football at the University of Idaho. Uh, we had that kid in the early 2000s. Forgive me for forgetting his name, who was um, unfortunately taken from us a little too short in his life. But um, you know, Eric Greenwood also got to play on the on the Seahawks roster. Like we've had some good wide receivers. Not to mention Dion Watson bouncing back to it. So David Unger, yeah, David Unger. I mean, we're we're up there, but Con's also only really seen the field for about two years now. Max Komar was a guy, for instance, and Preston Davis that were on the field for four straight years making plays and big plays in big bowl games. Um, so I'm gonna have to lean that he's a good receiver for sure. He's definitely probably the best, one of the best receivers in the Big Sky. But, I mean, we've had best players in the WAC before, so I'm. I'm going to say he's up there, but he's definitely – there's a, a couple guys I would definitely throw above him really easily, and that's before looking into a couple other seasons. Because let's be honest, a season like this and last year is going to be a forgettable one, um, which is probably what some other of our wide receivers have been on. Dallas Hammer at Hammer Dallas. Will we be favored in any games the rest of the season? If I wear a paper bag over my head at the rest of the home games and scribble Fire Petrino on it, will it effectively hide my shame? Hashtag STTC. Mr. Positivity, TJ Hopkins. Yeah. <laughs> Are you pro bags over your head or pro fire coaching signs in stadiums? We will match up better against some big sky schools, which will be interesting to see when, you know, our offense clicks and our defense is stopping them. So, yes, eventually we will have these better matchups that we see throughout the big sky, but. You know, it's kind of a question before every game is will our offense and defense both perform and and, and will we produce points? It, it, it'll be interesting to see throughout the season. Uh, Brian? I say there's three games on the schedule this far out that we feasibly could be favored in. 
um, September 28th at Northern Colorado. Northern Colorado's looked, you know, okay at times in their two FBS losses. They did get killed by FBS San Jose State. And, you know, Idaho fans back from the WAC days are familiar with the dumpster fire that San Jose State always is. Um, so I, I don't think Colorado, Northern Colorado looks that good. Um, let me rephrase that. I think Northern Colorado looks bad. Um, I think we are in the same tier as Northern Colorado right now in the big sky, but I expect there's a chance we're favored there. I also expect homecoming versus Idaho state partially because Idaho state didn't look good playing Western Colorado either. You know, their quarterback has a better arm than Mason, but you know, against the worst defense he's going to play all year, he could barely beat 50% passing. Uh, So there's not a lot of hope at Idaho state, which that's our homecoming. So I hope we get a win there. And there's a chance that I'm not wholly sold on Cal Poly being good. You know, I've, I've looked at their two box scores and their defense just purges yards. They made Weber State's abominable offense look like, I don't know, something Mike Leach co- coaches last week when Weber State scored 41. So there's a chance Cal Poly or Sac State. I don't think you should presume we'd be favored over Cal Poly or Sac State right now, but I don't think you should be sold on Cal Poly or Sacramento State being very good yet. Yeah, I'm with you. I, I mean, uh, obviously, I think we're getting favored. And the uh, fact of the matter is we're going to win some games. Everyone just needs to relax. Um, but, yeah, like you mentioned, Idaho State does not look very good. I've had them in my power ranking since week one as the worst team in the big sky. I think they lost a lot, and I just don't think they've had the opportunity to show it yet because they played a D2 school, which they actually did struggle with a little bit as well, which people are forgetting about, and they're a way worse program than Central Washington is. And they had a bye week in week one. So people just aren't talking about Idaho State because they've kind of dodged headlines by being the team on a bye week in week one. And then in week two, uh, I think it was six FCS schools lost to D2 schools. So they kind of got swept under the rug because, you know, they won by a bit of a comfortable margin. and Everyone forgets how close it was. But on Thursday, the talk was, man, Idaho State doesn't look very good. By the time Saturday rolled around, some other teams had done enough to bury that in the news cycle. So I don't think Idaho State's going to be very good. Cal Poly, we've played the triple option. Yeah, it'll be difficult, but that's one where, you know, we're at home. I would imagine we'll be favored in that. Sac State has more than enough time to implode. Uh, And then lucky for us, we have Northern Arizona last. And Case Cook hasn't stayed healthy in the last two years. So by that time, who knows if he'll even be playing. And if there's no playoff hopes, who knows if he even wants to play and just protect his NFL draft stock. So, yes, as far as wearing a bag over your head that says fire Paul Petrino, you know, I'll just be happy you're at the game. Uh, and as far as wearing a bag over your head, it's a free country. You do you. I'm not here to judge you on what, what you want to do or wear to a ball game. Um, speaking of that, John Mortensen wants to know, is this year's team better at, at JP Mort1? Sorry. Is this team this year's team better than last year's team? Brian? I'm going to talk a little bit about what we saw in at Central Washington to answer that question. Um, offensively, no. I think we are going to be just as limited as we were last season, and especially against FCS defenses. We're we're just not going to put points on the board. That's not a secret. We'll probably be a bottom four offense again. Defensively, there's a little bit to take away from the Central game. Now, I'm not trying to be needlessly positive either, but Central scored 31 points against us. Three of those touchdowns came on two trick plays, and after Colton threw an interception, inside the 10-yard line, which they scored afterward. That's 21 points that mostly came off of sloppy play that truly could be corrected by just going into by just going over video. 
you know, this wasn't Central Washington athletes burning us. It was Idaho mental lapses for three of their scores. If we take those 21 points off the board, which they did score, but the rest of the game, that's 10 points total, and Central did not move the ball with any sort of consistency. Their quarterback, who looked like he had a better arm than ours, he threw well. He threw below 50% completion, so they couldn't move the ball through the air. They were okay on the ground, but 10 points over four quarters minus those three mental lapses by Idaho, th- that's not production that, that's particularly you know great. And I believe our team is going to have to be strong defensively. I don't think the jury is in yet on whether our defense is going to be weak the way it was last year or not. There were some positive signs against Central, but those mental lapses can't be there. Yeah, and, you know, I think last year it's difficult because, like, I think these teams are very equal. Um, Obviously, yes, you have two quarterbacks with another year of experience. So in the quarterback field, we're as good, if not slightly better. Uh, We lost a senior running back. So in terms of that, yeah, it looks like we're going to hurt a little bit. Now we've had some guys ball out, but, yeah, I mean, there's a reason why Saunders won the job over all these guys last year. Some of them obviously weren't on the roster, but those guys aren't even getting a ton of carries right now anyways. Then you had a senior wide receiver like David Unger with the two studs that we have balling out right now this year in Cottrell Haywood and Jeff Cotton. So, you know, at wide receiver, probably a slight dip back. Uh, on defense, it's totally up in the air. Our D-line looks like on paper it should be better. Our linebackers look like they might have reloaded. Yes, filling in Christian Ellis is a, a or sorry, Caden Ellis is a huge shoot to fill. He was the only player drafted from the Big Sky last season, um, and is balling out for the Saints. So that's a big shoot to fill. But our secondary is totally revamped because that was something we knew we needed to get better at. So we're hoping that the coaches put that together and that and that's what's happening. So I think it would be a shootout, and uh, who knows? Maybe this one ends in a never-ending tie, but. Luckily, the rest of the season will play out which team we think was actually better, um, which leads us to our last question here before we kind of just touch whatever we think we missed on Central Washington and then preview Wyoming because we do have a game this week. The sky is not falling. Do the Vandals, this is from FCS Nation Radio at FCS Nation Radio 1, do the Vandals stink out loud or just plain stink? He thinks it's the second one, but he thinks time will tell. Winky face. Um... I think I'll just take this one here at the beginning. Yeah, I don't think the Vandals are central. The year Eastern Washington won the national championship in 2010. Uh, did you know that they actually lost to FBS Nevada 49-24? And then who's not nearly anywhere as good as uh, a Penn State and Mackey Stadium is nowhere as hard to play as Happy Valley. And then they actually um, lost to, or they won, sorry, they beat Central Washington 35-32. to 32. So Eastern went on to win a national championship that year after in week one getting beat kind of badly to a Nevada team uh, that was not very good. And then they barely squeaked out a three-point win against Central Washington and went on to win a national championship. So we talked about it at the beginning of the year. None of us thought this game was going to be as easy as people thought it would be. We tried to temper expectations that Central was pretty good. Now we thought maybe first-year head coach, the quarterback had left, maybe it wouldn't be as close, but we still won by a bigger victory or margin of victory than Eastern did in 2010. Obviously, a lot of stuff's different, but you know that team turned out to be pretty stinking good. Uh, so, yeah, our season's not over. Is it looking pretty grim right now? Yes, because a lot of other things have gone wrong for us. But 
it's still week two. We have ten more games left. I'm not ready to write off the season just yet. Um, anybody else disagree with me there or want anything to add? Yeah, what I'll say is I think a lot of the the visceral reaction to beating Central Washington. By the way, I was at the game. I have never been present for a more miserable win in my entire life, and I've been to a ton of sporting events. The atmosphere in the Dome was was on edge the entire game. The people I was sitting with, who I, they're people I've known for a long time, they're longtime Vandals, two minutes into the game, they're talking about, okay, well, at least next year RV prices are going to be cheaper. Um, I think when we look at the Central game, we have to differentiate the actual component parts of Idaho football versus the program as a whole. Because our program as a whole, 5,900 people at the home opener, that's that's bad. The level of support we're getting right now is low, and it's going to be low until we give people a reason to be excited. If I move that part out, Idaho's defense looked, I mean, there were most where it looked okay. Uh, you know, Central Washington only had the ball for 19 minutes and 56 seconds against us. I'm sorry, our defense was getting their offense off the field. That doesn't mean our defense is good, but that's the kind of job our defense needs to do against a team it's superior to. So our defense did the job there. You know, I don't think we're going to be completely awful the entire year, but I do not think the, you know, if we went back, went over game by game now the way we did earlier in the year, I certainly wouldn't be giving us seven or six wins. I think, I think right now the safest thing to pencil in would be three or four, but of course we can get more evidence, you know, let's say in the next two weeks that, that there's some progress and then we can change that. Cause you know, if we have a lot of new defensive starters, maybe we should see some variability in how they perform early on. So let's touch on this real quick. Cause I was looking for the perfect spot to bring this into the podcast. And then we kind of talked about it. Attendance. That was abysmal. Like the worst attendance. I think the dome may have ever had, let alone for a home opener. And we've had home openers before against FCS teams. This is obviously when we were in the FBS. Uh, against FCS teams nobody at the time cared about. Um, where It was on a Thursday night and we still got more. Where were the students? Where were I get that some alumni don't make the trip up because it's still summer, but that was bad. And I know this is part of my reason with why I was not a fan of moving to the FCS. I said I would love to play Montana, Montana State, Idaho State, Eastern. I'm going to love those games, and those are the games everybody I know is planning on going to. However, when we're playing teams like Central and Portland State and North Dakota and Sac State, people aren't going to go, and I think this is just a sad future that we're looking at until we're at the quality of a Montana or an Eastern where people just want to go for the game day environment because all their friends want to go to hang out with their friends, and then they just kind of have that excuse of the team being good. But I think we, I mean that's that's a decade build thing. That's not we have one good year because I mean look at uh, Idaho State's attendance. They had their best year in what 15 years last year, and they had 4,000 or 3,000 people at their first game. So and uh, Pocatello is a town where a lot of people stay around. It's not like Moscow where most people f- go back out. You get a lot of people that stay in Pocatello, and the drive from Boise to Pocatello where probably the next most amount of their alumni live or Salt Lake for that matter is both all interstate and easy to get to and as we all know it is not easy to get to Moscow coming down from Coeur d'Alene it's a goat trail and coming from Boise it's a goat trail so it's not easy to get there so I'm shocked at attendance I was livid about attendance and obviously I can't be too upset because I didn't go but I made the decision not to go because I thought that, oh, there's going to be enough people there, and I'm going to so many other games that I don't really care about the Central game. I'll save it for, you know, games I think people won't go to because there's not the home opener, like a Weber 
or Cal Poly, for instance, that I'm going to. So I was surprised by Central. Obviously, I got to hold myself accountable. I didn't make it as well, but um, yeah, totally shocked and surprised and angry at myself and everybody else that didn't make it to the game. Yeah, I, th- I think we're missing a couple of things on, you know, this fandom that comes with the Vandals. Um, one, scheduling. I know I said last week, it's awesome to open up with these FBS games, you know, let's get paid and then let's let's focus on our schedule. But, you know, you look at these other schools, um, Montana, Montana State, Eastern, and they're playing these FCS rivals that, you know, get people excited. And But Eastern's not. They played Lindenwood and UW. Right, but, you know. Had to shatter your point. What was that? You know, they're building up to a certain game this weekend versus Jacksonville State. But that's in Jacksonville. Yeah, and uh, there's a separate thing with Eastern. Their semester starts real late. Yeah, but I don't think they've even started school yet. I don't think their attendance is like is based on them scheduling good FCS teams. I I think their attendance is because once again, for instance, my uncle, who's a Vandal, drove down. He lives in Spokane. Went down just to tailgate because it's such a fun atmosphere there. We're, yeah, the tailgate in Moscow is fun, but when there's a chance the team's going to win, everybody's just in a better mood instead of when you're walking around the tailgate like in Idaho and it's like people don't even go in. They're strictly there to tailgate. It's less of an event um, and more of an excuse to hang out with your friends, kind of like golfing is. So that's where I think like Eastern is, is an example of you're in a metropolitan area that people can just drive down and like he'll drive down for the game – not even go to the game, then drive back and go watch the Kooks. So Montana, Montana State have got it nailed. Eastern is lucky because they got Spokane and they make it a, a really fun environment. Moscow isn't going to have that. they got to be more like Montana or Montana State. It, it would take a lot to get those students. It used to be there. We used to open yeah. against like Bowling Green and still get 14,000 people in yeah. on a Thursday. I mean, And we know where all those fans sit they sit out in the parking lot and not watch the game or so not yeah, really care we have a, we have a culture problem i believe yeah. i said that on this podcast last year that's that's the main problem it's not really i mean they all factor into it. but anyways let's let's go move on to the central washington are there any takeaways that you think we didn't hit on hashtag ask the atc before we preview wyoming and can kind of get this podcast back on the rails it was interesting watching the offense fire off from the start um they established the running game early on. I mean, not as well as we could have, but just watching that offensive line kind of push people around, that felt good. It really did. And then watching Mason feel a lot more comfortable in this game was good to watch. I mean, I think that's what we need going into our Big Sky Conference is having him feel com- uh, confident, comfortable, watching that offensive line. Our defense struggled, that's for sure. Um, but Central Washington came out firing. They were ready, ready to f- freaking play. And um, I think offensively we did well running our plays and doing well. Um, so if we do that right off the bat and run our plays, we'll do a lot better. Brian? So, yeah, so I want to touch on the attendance thing just for 10 seconds. Yeah, sorry. I Since 1996, Idaho has – that was the year we joined – we moved up to the FBS. 1996, 95 was the final big sky season. Mm-hmm. 96, year one FBS. Idaho has had five total winning seasons. In the 21st century, we've had two winning seasons total. The Like the culture problem you talked about to me is that the games are – there's too many losses. 
and that mixed in with moving down and then losing, that's a great way to kill enthusiasm. I'm a fan of the drop down, but the drop down needed to coincide with improved performance. And obviously, thanks, Coach Paul, it wasn't there. Now, shift into the game. TJ, I had a really different takeaway. I was absolutely not impressed with our offense at all. I mean, Mason completed 23 or 30 passes. He looked great against D2 athletes because that's what he is. He's a solid D2 athlete. He was able to scramble by extra time. There is nothing to take away from that against Big Sky play. He will not be able to do that against Montana, against Eastern Washington. They're just going to be way too strong athletes. I was happy with how Andre Carter and Roshan Johnson looked. Both of them rushed for over 100 yards combined for three touchdowns. I don't know what we can take away from that because they were just significantly stronger than the Central Washington athletes they were going against. Uh, but they at least they at least didn't look bad, so that that could mean they're still good. <laughs> Defensively, Central was on the field for 20 minutes on offense. Central was on the field for a total of 20 minutes. That meant, that meant our defense was moving them off the field other than those three lapses. What I took away is the defense. The defense still could be okay. Yeah, see, I'm I'm kind of like you, Brian. Um, I think the offense is just this weird. I don't know what it is right now. I think if we're going to win going forward, it's going to be our running backs. Uh, we're gonna have to play the ground and pound style. It works for Weber. Um, I touched on that kind of on the Big Sky podcast, uh, Big Sky Big Takes. So listen to that. But uh, we've got running backs. We've got a lo- a load of running backs. Heck, Jack ba- Jack Bam is. One of our highly touted guys coming in hasn't even touched the ball yet. So, um, like we've got we've got guys, and the quarterback thing is yes, Mason can he he's efficient. He's not going to make the mistakes. But however, you have a couple better athletes. A couple of those passes would have been mistakes. My biggest complaint is, and I know that I, I said it on Saturday that I thought the quarterback competition was done, sealed and dealed. Colton just does not look confident. He looks like a shell of himself. But then I'm thinking back to um, when I saw the box score here. So Mason Petrino got 30 pass attempts. Colton Richardson got five. Now, I know he threw a pick, but in Penn State, uh, Mason was the only one that threw an interception, and he still got more pass attempts than Richardson. So why it doesn't seem that it's fair that Colton throws a pick and gets punished and is done and doesn't see the field the rest of the game, when Mason threw a pick or a damn near pick six, if my memory serves me right, uh, and gets right back on the field, didn't even sit out the next drive. So I don't, I, I just want, I feel like Colton isn't getting a fair shake at this, and I do think going forward this season, I just rather at this point, I guess, you just stick Colton or Mason in. And I'm sorry, Colton, you know, it's a guy we all wanted to pull for on this podcast to make it, but. At this point, I just want a quarterback in. I'm just kind of – I needed to express that a lot of people are saying, oh, it's over. Obviously, Mason's the better guy. But still, Colton's only had 23 – or not even. He's had 14 attempts the whole year. He has less attempts the whole year than Mason had in the first game against um, Penn State. So that that kind of pisses me off a little bit that he doesn't get a fair shake. But he didn't look great in his uh, 14 snaps either. So I see why. But I, I do think I just announced Mason, and let's just roll with it. Um, he's graduating. I don't think, for whatever reason, Paul likes Colton. So it's going to be Nikhil or Nate or whoever they recruit in this offseason probably next year. And so better times ahead at the quarterback position. But like I touched on, we have studs. It's too bad we have to waste the studs at wide receiver. But Cottrell Haywood will be here next year. 
Um, but we have some studs at running back, and they're young. So let's ri- ride that boat, baby, to hopefully I'm not giving up on the dream just yet for the Idaho Vandals. It's early. It's, it's early. early. It's week two. It's <laughs> week two, and we're one and one We're acting like we lost to a D2 school, which some FCS teams did. And as we touched on, it's not uncommon for Central Washington to give FCS teams a run for their money. I think they gave one of the Montana schools sometime this past decade a, a big run for their money. So moving on to Wyoming, we're going to Laramie the, of the FBS. I didn't get their versus sports ranking, um, but they are the Cowboys, like I just said. They're from Laramie, Wyoming. They play in War Memorial Stadium, which holds – 29,181 people. Um, they have a 2-0 and record, and they're coached by Craig Bull, formerly at North Dakota State. It seems like not six years ago, but he's in his sixth year with the Cowboys. They are 31-35 and 35 under him, which for Wyoming is actually pretty darn good. Uh, I got a fun fact for you guys. Their elevation is 7,125 feet. How high do you think that's the highest? We're in elevation for all Division One programs. Do you think that is Division One? Yeah. Number one. It's got to be number one. Highest. It is the highest. <laughs> it is. It's high. next up is NAU, and then second highest, I believe, was Air Forces. Um, but fun fact. Maybe I'll do a fun fact for every team we play. Fun fact. Highest stadium which means good news for Cade Coffee. Uh, but uh, let's kind of talk about this. What do you guys want to see kind of out of well, – we kind of touched on it with Central, but if we're going to pull this off, beat this Wyoming team who actually is having a pretty good year so far, as we touched on, it's 2-0. and What's it going to take for the Vandals to keep this one close? Uh, I believe the spread is 24 points as of now, maybe 28, um, but it's in the 20s. Um, so I'm wondering what you guys think we need to do to – Beat the spread, maybe even beat the Cowboys. Um, I would say play a lot more confidently than we showed up against Penn State. Um, I know it's an FBS school. Um, They're going to be really talented, but we've seen the FBS school already. I mean, these guys already played against one of the biggest stages in the country, and they know what it's like. They should show up to this game ready to play and being confident about it and hit somebody and also drive down the field. I'd like to see a lot more points put up on the board than people expect. I think that'd be awesome. Um, but yeah, I mean, we played the, in the toughest atmosphere, top 10 team in the country. They should be able to perform a lot better against this team. So that's what I want to see is a way better performance in week one. Um, I know I want to see Paul Petrino, just throw on all of Weber State's game footage. And I want him to go, this is how we're going to play. I know I earlier in this podcast just said don't change your offense, but we just need to pound the rock and play solid defense. We have so many studs up front. Let them get after the quarterback if they try to pass it. Let the linebackers come up and play the run. Christian Ellis could lead the nation in tackles um, if we get in enough close games where the offense have to have the ball for more than six snaps. But, like I said, we have the running backs. I just want to see Cade Coffey. He's got the elevation. He needs a little mind freak going on to get himself back to All-American form. Mm -hmm. This game's it. Uh, He's going to be booting the ball 60 yards, I bet you. I bet you he has a punt for over 60 yards. And that's not even a pre-planned corner stool take. But I think that's what it's going to take. Pound the rock. 
good defense, limit mistakes on offense, um, and then on defense, it's just going to be making one or two mistakes and trying to get the ball in the short field where Mason doesn't have to push it and we can just take short runs and then get cake off on the kicks and field goals. Brian? I really don't think our offense is going to be able to do much against Wyoming. I think it's important for us for us to win games, like you said, Chris, it's going to be the Weber State, Montana State model. We need our defense to get the other offense off the field. We need our defense and special teams to force turnovers, and we might even need to get our defense and special teams to put some points on the board. Downside for us is a second year to row in the big sky. Our defense is not great so far at forcing turnovers. Now, we actually forced more turnovers against Penn State, which was one, than we did against Central Washington. We didn't force a single turnover against a D2 team. You know, if you're looking for a takeaway of like, okay, maybe there is some something to worry about with the defense, I'd be more concerned about us forcing zero turnovers against Central and accruing one total sack. You know, for us to for us to be good, we're going to have to put pressure. Our defense is going to have to make make it real hard for the Wyoming Cowboys to operate. And the Wyoming Cowboys look significantly better this year than they did last year. Last year, they're sub 500. We earlier in the year circled this as a potential close game for Idaho. Wyoming looks a lot better. Our defense is going to have to have a field day uh, to keep this one close. Yeah, um, I don't think there's – unfortunately, we, we we said this in the first episode, so we're glad you guys are sticking with us, but we're really in a preseason right now. FBS, D2, FBS, um, you know, this is – our real season really starts with the Eastern, and, I mean, that's going to be hard. We'll obviously touch on that next week, but – I mean, it's it's pretty much preseason ball. So hopefully, you're looking at the glass half full. Maybe a lot of our struggles is kind of what I hinted at last week, which I didn't really truly believe. But I'm gonna talk, you know, talk it into fruition here. Paul's just not showing the playbook because he's trying to beat Eastern. Anyways, score predictions. The versus sports simulator has a 38 to eight Idaho loss. That would be a 30 point victory, which means Idaho would not cover. Brian. What's your score prediction for this game? 42-13, Wyoming. Uh, TJ? Man, Vegas Brian. He's on point. He is. And and later on in the pod, you'll know why with his picks. But I'm going to go way higher. I'm going to go 53-13, Wyoming. I'm not that big of a believer in Wyoming's offense yet. They still haven't figured out the quarterback position really. You know, obviously, they got to replace Josh Allen from a couple years ago, so that makes sense. Um, I'm going to actually really touch on the sports simulator app here. I'm going to go 38-9, though. I think we're not going to score, but uh, like I said, Kate Coffey is going to get some work at those field goals. Might as well. If you're going to try to get some awards, if he could make like a 55-yarder or 60-yarder, I don't know if he could kick 60 Now's a good time to start. Yeah, that's where where I would have it. It's going to be sunny. Uh, It's not going to be cold. He should have no problems up in Big Sky Country. Um, well, I guess it's down in lower Wyoming. And good luck to all the – if you live in Denver, you better be going to that game, I swear to God. Ain't nothing like cracking a Montucky cold snack, an ultra-refreshing light beer born in majestic Big Sky Country. The best part is when you crack a snack, you're giving back. Montucky Cold Snacks donates 8% of all profits back to local causes, even right here in Idaho. 8% of their profits are donated to local Idaho causes, supporting organizations like the CW Hogs and the Idaho Food Bank. Yeehaw! That's freaking awesome. 
Montucky Cold Snacks, the light American lager for pow pow rippers, gator anglers, pony riders, and badass do gooders. Visit MontuckyColdSnacks.com today to find out how to get yes some snacks. And I'm actually taking my uh, one out of our friends at the R and R Catcast, part of the Big Sky Podcast Network's book. Um, I was listening to their episode last week, and they said, "Do you notice how you never hear tings?" In our podcast, it's because they're big koozie guys. They had a big poll on koozies. So I, we, we're rocking koozies today on our cold snacks, which uh, is why you don't hear as many tings as you probably would hear on the podcast. So shout out to friends of the uh, Big Sky Podcast Network, the R&R Catcast, both the Ryans. Thank you for the podcasting hot tip. I feel like you're taking shots at us. We heard you. Uh, corner stool takes, ladies and gentlemen. So take a sip of those nice, cool, cold snacks, and then it's time to heat right back up. Brian, I need a corner stool take from you. Our defense forces one turnover. No more, no less. No more, no less. TJ. Thank you for starting off that way, Brian. I'm going to double up on you and call your hot take. I'm going to go defense gets two turnovers, one fumble, one interception. I'm going to go super corner stool takey. I never said Idaho loses in my score prediction. Idaho win. I'm just kidding. I'm pretty sure I did. I don't think Kate Coffey's going to make a 60-yard field goal. But I got some people hitting the 10-second rewind button right there. I guarantee it. Um, all right. Now we're moving on to the Big Sky Pick'em Challenge. Last week, TJ, not doing good. Uh, no way. 11-2, and two, last place again. Brian and Chris, might as well give ourselves a national show here for the Big Sky, uh, or a permanent seed on Big Sky Big Takes. 12-0 and 0 in our Big Sky picks last week, bringing the record to TJ's 21-3. and 3. Brian and Chris are 23-1. and 1. Damn you, San Diego, or uh, Cal Poly over San Diego. Um, but... We got week two, and we got some matchups this week. Again, we got some matchups this week. Um, starting off with our week three Big Sky game start. Number 12, Montana State versus Western Illinois. We're going to go in the order that you placed last week. So we'll go TJ, Brian, Chris. TJ, you're up first. And I always start this off. Uh, Bobcats, Montana State. Yeah, I'm going to go Montana State. Montana State just walked all over a top 15 team, Southeast Missouri State. I think they won, I think it was 31 to 14, sorry, 38 to 14 or something like that. Um, Montana State looks much more for real than I thought they were. Western Illinois is not as good as SEMO. Montana State rolls. Uh, I think this is a potential trap game for the Bobcats. They are coming off a lot of chitter chatter of them maybe winning the whole big sky or being a big team this year that jumped up. Three spots in the Big Sky Power Rankings, Big Sky Podcast Power Rankings. That being said, I think they take care of business. Western Illinois, they already beat last year. Um, and Western Illinois is worse, and Montana State's better. So I'll take the Bobcats as well. Idaho State is traveling just down the interstate to Salt Lake City to face the Utah Utes. Geographical rivals, I'm going to go with U of U. Utah is going to kill Idaho State. It's a long. It's going to be a real long year in Pocatello. I think the BYU Fakers really take it to the BYU Wannabes, and Utah kills Idaho State real bad. It's going to be ugly. Don't even turn on the Pac-12 network unless you're in the crime shows. Cal Poly versus Oregon State. 
Uh, tough call here. I'm going to go with Jake Luton, former Idaho quarterback, OSU Beavers. Yeah, I'm going to go Oregon State. Cal Poly last year led the FCS in time of possession and still had a bottom three big sky defense. Their defense just it absolutely cannot stop anybody. Oregon State's going to win. And as most of you know from listening to Big Sky Big Takes, I'm a big believer in Jonathan Smith, former Idaho quarterback coach. Um, I think he's an offensive genius, one of the youngest minds in college football. And Cal Poly, as we know, can't really get into offensive shootouts. Jake Luton's got an NFL arm. Uh, they're just not going to be able to keep pace with the Beavers, which is saying something because the Beavers aren't good. Number six, Weber State traveling also to play um, a Mountain West team, the Nevada Wolfpack. I think we need to reverse the picks here. I think you go first. I'm going to go around. Okay. Uh, Nevada. I'll go with Nevada. Weber State looked real good in week one against San Diego State. Uh, FBS San Diego State also in the Mountain West. But Weber just doesn't have the offense to compete with FBS type of teams in my mind. So I'll go with Nevada. Here's where I take the lead in the Big Sky polls. I'm going to go with Weber State over Nevada, Mountain West. Let's go. Wait, Mountain West, let's go. You're taking Weber State? I'm taking Weber State. Okay. Let's go. All right. Um, then we've got the Lumberjacks facing our D2 school from last year, Western New Mexico. I believe they were the Mustangs. Um, I'm going to take the Lumberjacks. Yeah, Lumberjacks. NAU kills a D2 team. NAU. Let's go. Uh, Stephen F. Austin versus Southern Utah. I'm going to take the Thunderbirds. I've defended them a couple times now that I don't think they're as bad as people think they are. Meanwhile, Stephen F. Austin is as bad as people think they are. Hmm. Southern Utah won't be world beaters, but they'll be Stephen F. Austin beaters. See, I take the other side of this, Chris. I think Southern Utah is not only as bad as people think they are, they're worse. They haven't put up any points against any team until they were down by 30 or, you know, 50-ish if we're talking week one. I will not I will not pick Southern Utah to win a single game until I see some until I see evidence to the contrary. So I'll, I'll take Stephen F. Austin. I don't care if they're good. Southern Utah looks terrible. I'm going to go with SUU. We got a big sky. It's out of conference, kind of like us with Eastern next week. But Northern Colorado is traveling to Sacramento to take on the Hornets. I'm going to take the Hornets. They're red hot. I do think Northern Colorado also is a team that people are really down on due to previous perceptions. But uh, Sac State has put out quite the resume here early. Now, it could be a lot of luck and people not knowing what to expect with first-year head coach. But uh, Northern Colorado hasn't been good since Ernest has been there. I don't think it changes. I'm going to go to Sac State as well. Last week, last week, the Hornets lost by 12 to Arizona State. It was a five-point game in the fourth quarter. I, I believe Sac State's going to be better than they were last year. I don't think Northern Colorado is going to be better, so I'll take the, the Hornets. I'm going with after their first half against Washington State University, I'm going with Northern Colorado. You will make Aaron Rath very happy. <laughs> um, Lehigh is traveling to Davis, California to face the Aggies. I'm going to take the Aggies. I'm going to take the Aggies, but if a trap game exists in the world, it's this. After this week, UC Davis travels to North Dakota State. Then they host Montana to open the Big Sky season. But I'm not going to say they fall to Lehigh. UC Davis wins. I'm going to go with Davis, too. Portland State is playing Riverside Tech down on the pond in Boise. Um, I'm going to take the Vikings. Uh, No explanation needed. Just in case you do not know who Riverside Tech is, that's Boise State. I'm going to take Boise State. I hate them, but I'll take them. 
Both picks are gross. You got to pick one. Boise Junior College. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> you guys are the worst. Uh, speaking of the worst, number seven, Montana, is playing in Autzen against the Mighty Ducks of Oregon. I'm going to take Phil Knight U by a billion. Yeah, Oregon's going to win by a ton. Montana looks good, but not that good. I'm going to go with Taylor Hammond and the Oregon Ducks. Uh, I don't think he listens to the podcast, but he'd probably appreciate that. Mm-hmm. I will say Dalton Sneed versus Herbert is going to be interesting to watch. I will say that. Mm-hmm. It is a game I'm planning on tuning in for. And that brings us to our FCS Fans Nation Pick'em Challenge. Week 2 results, Chris got 8 points. TJ got 6. Brian, I, I just don't have time to calculate yours, and you still haven't <laughs> registered. So until, until I yeah, have, I'm worthless. I'm sorry. Until I'll Lawrence it. does it for me, I'm just going to keep giving you zeros unless you calculate your own, and we'll just believe you. Until you start not missing any any week. I'm undefeated. Um, yeah, yeah, that's what I heard, undefeated. Um, yeah. The week two standings for everybody involved in the tub token challenge. Um, so, honestly, none of us have that big of a head start. Speaking of, TJ and I aren't allowed to win it. Neither is Brian. So, if anybody else wants to join or has joined, make sure you let us know at Tubs at the Club on Twitter. Mitch Hopkins has 19 points. TJ Hopkins has 18 points. Chris Hammond has 16 points. Connor Lindstrom has 13. And Jamie Hill has 12. Brian Marceau leading up the rear with zero. Calculating pending results of undefeated streaks. Um, That is where he stays. I want to say on the podcast, um, I believe Mitch paid Lawrence. I owe you $10. That way I can't be labeled as a thief. Uh, Lawrence said you paid twice. So I owe you money. Week three picks, though, Duquesne versus number 14, Youngstown State. Let's start with undefeated Brian Marceau. That's true. We'll start with undefeated Brian Marceau on picks. Then we'll go TJ, then me. I'm taking the university that employs former former Ohio State head coach Jim Tressel. Go Youngstown State. Let's go Pens, YSU. Uh, I believe Youngtown State is actually coached by former Nebraska coach Bo, Bo Pelini, yeah. but I will be taking the Mighty Penguins from Youngstown State. However, I understand the direction you went there, Chris. <laughs> He's their university president. Yeah. Ah, uh, huh. uh, I missed that part. Uh, I still like Bo Pelini <laughs> and the, the Penguins, mostly because they're Penguins. How can't you hate the Penguins? Mm-hmm. Uh, Sanford versus Wofford. I'll take Wofford. I don't. I. I don't think Wofford's going to be good this year, but I think they're going to finish respectably. Uh, I'll pick the Terriers as well. Wofford. Yeah, Sanford got their teeth kicked in on week zero. I don't think anything's changed. I'm taking Wofford. They're upset. They're a top ten team. Speaking of top ten teams, number five Towson versus number seventeen Maine. I don't know how their number seventeen versus Sports Simulator is all kinds of whack, um, but that's where they're at. I'm. Oh, sorry, Brian. I'm gonna go with Maine. Maine returns a ton of people from a team that made the FCS semifinals last season. Towson, of course, is good. They have one of the better FCS quarterbacks, but I'm going Black Bears. I'm looking into a Towson jersey. I'm going to stick with them. I'm going to go Towson. Uh, I'm taking Little Flacco as well. I'll take number five Towson. Uh, Abilene Christian versus number nine Central Arkansas. Central Arkansas owns the one FCS win over an FBS team this year, correct? Uh, they own one of the three. Oh, one of the three, my bad. Forgive me. But they beat Western Kentucky. We yep. go Central Arkansas. 
Thanks, Lawrence, for putting this in the pick'em. Uh, do Central Arkansas. Yeah, this one, I don't know how it made it. I know Abilene Christian is supposed to be a top 25 program this year. Uh, but the problem is Central Arkansas looks like a top 10 program, so Central Arkansas. Jackson State, TJ. Jackson State versus Tennessee State. Brian, it's your pick. Oh, sorry. That's the TJ, man. No, uh, I just know man, he always this is confuses a coin flip for me. Jackson. I'm going to say I'm going to go Jackson State. Anything with Jackson starting off, I'm going to go with. Let's go Jackson State. I'm going to take Tennessee State. <laughs> uh, once again, it's my old uh, Appalachian State crush, even though they're not even in the state of Tennessee. Um, Hampton versus Howard. Who knows? I'm going to go with Hampton. I'm going to go with Hampton, too. I think Howard is where the little Cam Newton plays, or maybe it's – DeAndre Francois, either way, I think it's Howard, so I'm going with Howard. But that's a confusing matchup to put on a sheet. Um, Elon versus Richmond. I'm going with Elon. Rise from the ashes, Phoenix. I'm going Elon. Wow, you know, I had Richmond, but I crossed it out and circled Elon. I, I can't change it. It's in the pick already. I mean, <laughs> my picks. I'll take Elon. But dang, I kind of want to pick Richmond there now. But Elon, uh, game of the week. The Eastern Washington, number three, Eastern Washington Eagles versus number 16, Jacksonville State Gamecocks. Brian. I'm going to take Eastern. Eric Berrier, I, I th- to me, he's probably the be- one of the best players in the entire nation, at least top three at the quarterbacks in, in all of FCS. Eastern gave up way more points last week against Lindenwood than they should have, but I, I, I really think that was just dumb lapses. I have faith in Eastern. I think they're as good as advertised. I'm picking the Eagles. And since Jacksonville State is TJ's big crush, we'll let him pick last. Um, yes, mm. different from what you heard yesterday on Big Sky Big Takes where I said Jacksonville State is going to win. That's just because I was trying to win the podcast show. Eastern's going to win this game. Um, there's a better team. Uh, they're a more cohesive team. Jacksonville State's a lot of transfers, a lot of talent. Yeah, they're going to take till the end of the season. In the playoffs, maybe this is a different matchup. Right now, uh, I'm going to take the Eagles. My friend, Kyler Neal. I have it written down on my paper right here. E-A-S-T-E-R-N. And I'm going to switch it. I'm crossing out right now. I'm going to stick with the Gamecocks. I'm going to go JSU. You made Cocky Nation very happy. Yeah. All right. Um, what FCS game are you guys going to be watching this week? I'm going to go CAA, Colonial Athletic Conference. Um, yes, Colonial Athletic Association. Thank you. I'm going to go Elon versus Richmond. Um, one of those teams will eventually make the playoffs, so I'm kind of excited to see both those guys play and see what their football teams are like. Uh, I've got an off-the-wall kind of – if you're an older FCS fan, you probably know about this one. North Dakota State is traveling to Delaware, which is also one of the blue bloods of FCS. They've had some down years the last couple of years. Um, but Delaware, really strong program, the home of the original old Flacco, Joe Flacco. Um, I think the Blue Hens with the Michigan look-alike helmets uh, might give North Dakota State more than they bargained for. NDSU is still going to win, but I think it will be a fun game. It's a, a two really good strong ba- or fan bases. Um, and a rematch of the playoffs last year, I believe, or they played early in the season last year. 
I'm going to be toggling between the Eastern Washington Jacksonville State game and the Montana State Western Illinois game before Idaho's game starts. We already talked about Eastern what to watch for with Montana State. They're starting a freshman quarterback who still is looking iffy. Otherwise, Montana State's good just about everywhere. Um, I want to see what what this Montana State looks like, you know, in year after making the playoffs, where they needed just about everything to go right for them to make the playoffs. Um, it, I was one of the people who didn't really believe in Montana State. I'm starting to turn the corner. I want to see him live for a little bit. Yeah, I took a lot of heat for the Montana State pick, but I'm excited for that too. But I know what TJ's excited for. TJ's wing corner. Get your wet naps ready. Napkins all. Ranch blue cheese. You're, you're a ranch guy. I'm all, all the fixings guy. I like them all. And um, my TJ's wing corner goes to Chris this weekend who had some wings that I'd love to hear about. Uh, I did. So I decided to do a battle of wings this week. Uh, I went to Fitzgerald Sports Bar and Grill. Um, I tagged them on my Twitter post, so if you want to know where they're at, um, you can do it. The wings were great. The Cougar Watch Party, however, was not. Uh, actually, I'll take that. Back. The wings, my comparison to them is my love here in my lovely borough of Ballard here in Seattle. Uh, TJ and I are big supporters of wings at Kings. It's 39 cents on Monday. They always do Buffalo, and then they always do some fancy different one every single week. This week was bourbon mustard. Um, now, I love me my wings, my King's wings, but they are tiny little wings, and and that sometimes bothers me when I feel like I paid for too much, even though it's only 39 cents for this little tiny wing. Meanwhile, at Fitzgerald's, I did get big meaty wings. I only tried, they do have a couple different flavorings, um, I did just go with Buffalo to get the fair, you know, like it's like a bar stools, one bite challenge, the pizza thing. You know, you just got to judge them on Buffalo. You got to do, do all of them. Yeah. Well, you got to try, it's Buffalo wings. Yeah. So you, you got to, you know, um, I, I preferred Kings. Kings was better than Fitzgerald's wings. Um, they may be smaller, but Fitzgerald's just, uh, they were a little dry and like not as fall off the bony. Right. Um, I guess is how I would describe tougher, it. Tougher pull. So in my in my top pull right now, Kings Hardware still number one. And and next week I'll have a ranking system for you. I'll put it on Twitter for all you guys that follow me on Twitter. Those guys. <laughs> Those guys. <laughs> Brian, you have a new? Oh, sorry, not my segment. <laughs> no, sorry, no new wing stories. And unless like later on we can go through, let's say grocery store wing rankings i'm game for that but <laughs> nothing new for me right now you can just be our grocery store wing guy you'll just go you'll hit fred myers albertson's safeway. you'll mm. maybe one day you could do like a safeway versus albertson's mm. since you're close to washington <laughs> you get the safeway then you're in idaho you get the albertson's you test them both see if the wing quality is is unanimous across the uh same bur- or, you know same store ownership but different brands if the brand splits, exactly. Real. I'll be the guy. If you have two dollars to spend on wings, I'm the guy you ask about. Hey, that's legit. People need to know. Uh, did we not just mention thirty nine cent wings mm. at Kings on Mondays? Ooh, mm. get out of there real cheap. I love it. Mm-hmm. Is that the end of your segment? Yep. You're snapping in the air. Okay, that's the end of the segment, which brings us to closing the bar. Creaky sound effect here. Um, I'm supposed to ask everyone to explain what they have going on in their lives and how people can find them. So. Hey, TJ, what's going on in your life, and how can people find you? Next weekend, the September 21st, there is a Tubs of the Club 
tailgate. I know this is preemptive, and I see a look from Chris right now. They didn't want to announce it. No, you just stole it. I, that was mine. But don't worry, I got other stuff I can talk about. I'm, yes, we do have that. But Saturday morning, September 21st, probably not the best, but one of the best home games for the season for the Vandals at the Kiwi Dome. Uh, we'll be hosting a pregame tailgate. Tailgate. We're going to full-blown tailgate. I've got uh, flags in the mail. So we'll be flying. Originally, I don't know. We'll hear from you guys. Tweet at us. Um, we can either fly the Montucky flag so it's easier to find us. Mm-hmm. We're going to be in the upper law lot. They changed around the VSF parking. So um, it used to be VSF 1. Now it's VSF 3. It's right by where they're constructing ICCU Arena. So you can check us out there. Hopefully, it's still first come, first serve. We'll notify you on the Facebook page or tweet us. But, but. we'll be flying the Montucky flag. We're going to have some Montuckies. We're going to have a photo competition. Um, and tag Montucky in it. So it's going to be very Montucky-sponsored, tubs at the club. The whole team will be there, but Sean, obviously. Um, so come by, and I'll, I'll be grilling. Um, I'm going to be a little upset. I won't get to enjoy my Bloody Mary Saturday morning at the Corner Club because we're going to be there at 10, and we'll stay until around 5 or until everybody leaves. So And, and who else would you want to hang out with on game day? Well, that even if you don't like us that much, who doesn't <laughs> want free cold snacks? Everyone's like, hey, I don't know. <laughs> uh, Brian, what's going on in your life, and how can the people find you? Follow me at Brian Marceau. That's Twitter. Uh, Marceau is M-A-R-C-E-A-U. I'm still editing the Montana Mints sports newsletter out every week. Check out montana-mint.com for that. And otherwise, I am researching for this podcast. So uh, for me, you can find me at Chris underscore P underscore Hammond on Twitter. Uh, I believe I have the same Instagram, but I'm more of a Twitter guy. Um, If I'm not getting screwed by producer Jerry and Big Sky Big Takes, uh, I am running a a goal-to-go segment now before game days where I'm going to give four takeaways um, of what to expect or what to look out for, what I find interesting of the matchup every week. So that should be releasing – I don't know. we got to work it out with Sean. I don't know if it will either be Saturday mornings or Friday nights. But uh, if you're more of a reader and less of a podcaster, or you know somebody that's more of a reader and less of a podcast listener, uh, tubsattheclub.com, uh, before the game, there should be something called And Goal to Go. And, yeah, that's my little uh, – I'm embracing my inner Brian Marceau and trying to get, get my website on. Speaking of getting screwed by producer Jerry, make sure you follow at Big Sky – podcasts on twitter and follow all our bspn developments and receive content all throughout the year like brian's uh, big sky power rankings he does every week well we all vote on it but he writes up on why we're putting people where we do or at least why he thinks we put people where we do or why he thinks southern utah is a dumpster fire um thank you everybody for listening wyoming might be tough it might be great but either way we'll still be there and hopefully we'll be seeing you all in the kibbe dome Law parking lots for our official, unofficial Tubs of the Club tailgate for the Eastern Washington game. Mm -hmm. It's time for the best band in all the land. Martin will be there, so we might get some band visits. The Sound of Idaho to play us out with in heaven. There are no Montucky cold snacks, so you better drink them all here. Or drink them all while you're here. Go Vandals. Go Vandals.